You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. Good morning, gentlemen. How is everybody? Good morning. Hello. Good afternoon. Morning. So, uh, Je- well, I guess all of us are in a different locale right now, huh? Because Jethro, yeah. you're not in your um, striped bubblegum room. I'm not, but I'm actually just in my daughter's bedroom. I just moved rooms and I put a, a picture of myself in a Ferrari behind me to make me feel and look heroic. That's gonna, incredible. I was gonna say that's um that's a unique photo for a young gal to have in her bedroom. Yeah, it's a temporary edition, but it just makes me feel good when I look at the screen and I can see it behind my behind my head. Ah, yeah, you feel fast. Kids love having their heroes up in their room. They do. Exactly. That's what I tell them. And in an era without Jordan, like what are kids to do? I mean, this is the next best thing. Jethro yeah. in a I don't know, I give that power slide a six, but it's still it's good. A lot a lot of people can't do that. It's, it's pretty good. It's on a road in Italy near near the factory, Ferrari. I was pleased with that one. Is that the same turn you um, broke a Ferrari in half? Didn't you Didn't you end the lives of some rear rims in one of these mountain roads? I did. No, that was different. That was somewhere in like Austria or Switzerland or somewhere. Yeah, that was, that was a less than good day. Let me say that Jethro is both an incredible driver, truly one of the only people I feel comfortable in the car with. I've been out on track where he's drifting all throughout, and I, I am never scared. Additionally, he has been barred from some of the manufacturers because he has a little bit of a history of destroying cars, so that's also in <laughs> that's, the mix. No. <laughs> Ford US don't like me because I was involved in a head-on collision on a shoot in oh. one of their trucks, which was entirely not my fault, but they took great exception to it we're on a it was the scariest thing ever we're on a um what do you call it a trophy truck course Uh so big jumps and stuff i'd gone over the jump for the camera and the camera guy was like yeah okay go back to one so turn around and and adopt your position so i luckily was going quite slowly over this blind jump effectively and just as i got to the crest another member of the crew had decided to drive through in a jeep Uh wrangler so as i crested um, the very peak of this jump, there was a Jeep Wrangler coming towards me at like 50 wow. miles an hour, and it was a car length away. It was absolutely Ooh. terrifying. And I, I like literally could have died, but yeah, Ford didn't seem very happy and did not accept that, uh, or didn't appear to accept my explanation. But yeah, it was not not my fault, actually, that one. And do you have a photo of that incident in your son's bedroom? <laughs> I, no, I just, I keep that one as like one of my nine lives, you know? So I've got a picture of me stood next to the truck and it's a mess. Do you know what's incredible? It was a Raptor, um, the Jeep, which has like metal bumpers. It absolutely destroyed this Raptor. It was incredible. The Jeep got off fairly well. and uh, But I had full airbag deployment. Burns up my arms, Burns. side airbags, curtain airbags, the whole lot. It was pretty mad. Well, that is one of Jeep's slogans is what we lack in um, performance. We make up for in uh, crash dependability. I think that's, they've, <laughs> they've actually pivoted to that being the main pitch. And boys, you guys, I guess I had a little anxiety about whether or not you would have internet service because you are in the great, great north, right? Yeah. You are way up in We got Canada. Starlink. Oh, who has Starlink? Uh, Buddy Rob builds incredible cottage, look, not cottages, like incredible homes. It's a house. It's It's a house. Yeah, Yeah, he has a company and he built his own on this island. And actually, this used to be called Stripper Bay. Ooh. Because this in the winter where the cottage is built used to be kind of like where you could get gas, but also the kids could come here and get ice creams, like a little tiny corner store in the middle of nowhere. 
But the guy in the winter would bring strippers up here. For snowmobilers? And strip for all the snowmobilers. And this whole yeah. bay behind us would be filled with hundreds of snowmobiles until they started to find, like, drug paraphernalia when the ice thawed. And, like, it was apparently a rager up here in the winters. Because booze and strippers just isn't enough when you're on your sled. You also got to throw some junk into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're just bored out of your mind going 130 <laughs> on a fucking snowmobile. But this place is incredible. We've been on the lake for, what, two and a half days yeah. now. Fished this morning. Fished yesterday morning. Mm, mm. Did about three, at four oh. hours each day. It's the best. Yeah, I got to say, as someone who grew up in Detroit and then moved promptly to L.A. on my 20th birthday, and I've been there for 28 years, and now currently on a trip to the East Coast, to Martha's Vineyard, I get it. We have been missing out. It's insane uh -huh. how beautiful this environment is in the summertime and it's a, it's crazy to uh, miss it your whole life yeah and just the water's like 70 degrees mm. and you're just right on the water in and out all day boating around to neighbors and hanging and going into town and jumping off cliffs and yeah you name it it's incredible matt's like the mayor of the lake so everyone knows matt like every <laughs> hour there's another boat that you see coming in you're like matt who's this and they pop off drop beers and we do the same thing to other colleges it's lake life yeah, and um, I don't know about you, but what, the thing I've been noticing is I'm in the weather here. I feel it. It's tangible. The atmosphere, mm. the wind, all of it. Like in L.A., I don't know. It feels like you're on a set. Sometimes the set's really fucking hot. Sometimes there's fires all around <laughs> the set. But in general, it's not like you're wearing the weather uh -huh. in the way that you do here. Jethro, do the Brits take all of August off the way other continental folks do? I know the Italians are just gone, right? Yeah, I wish we do. No, Italians particularly shut down for August. So literally they, they all just disappear because it's so hot. And in, in Italy, it's what, 42 degrees, so... 120 or something it's oh, crazy out there at the moment geez. record temperatures um but no we don't we do we do have like factory workers have something called factory fortnight where they close for two weeks which i think is in august and everyone is just my kids are on their last week of school now so they're getting ready to because oh. we don't have that really long summer holiday that you guys do and it shows in your testing but i can't believe they're not out yet i know we're about to go back <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> No, they finish on Friday, and then they have six weeks off, basically. So they start again first week September or end of first week September, I believe. So, yeah, we don't have that, but it is coming up for holiday season, so it's that it's that period now. And um, I want to check in on vacation workouts really quick. Of course, I saw a post, Charlie, of you looking great. Your back looked gorgeous, uh, doing a little band workout. Oh, yeah. What are we using up there? Because we don't have our full weights, right? I have no weights, but I do have a couple sets of bands. I have the round, big, like, rubber band ones, and then I have the ones with the handles on it. Mm. So I made do. Made a little circuit yesterday, overlooking the water on the porch. Got a little pump in. Got a sweat going. It was awesome. Good to watch. Good where, to watch. Are you, where are you ranking as far as the lake bods? Are you, Matt, oh, I guess this is a better question for Matt Collins. Is, is Charlie number one physique up there right now? Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I, up here, I'd be number <laughs> two. Oh my God, this is wonderful. What a another reason to vacation there, yeah. <laughs> Workout is not a um, not a priority up here, that's for sure. Charlie might be the only person who has ever worked out on a dock up here <laughs> other than a yoga. <laughs> I floated this idea that there needs to be a, a boatable gym. Like oh. what if someone had an island and you put a little structure out there, people could boat in and out, get their workout in. And Oh, I thought you were pitching more a large pontoon with a full squat rack in the middle, and then people just anchored to it. A barge. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. That yeah. would be great. Workout barge. You just go to them. That's not a bad idea either. But they said, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> Workouting is like a kayak for an hour. I think that's, or a swim across the lake is a workout here. Well, there's a jumping cliff. So yesterday afternoon, Ryan and I swam down there to jump off to climb up the rock and jump in and man i thought i might die out there on the way back oh. I, I overextended on the way there that's your move it was yeah <laughs> yeah i got there and i was like "Ooh, i'm good now but i that's gonna be a rough trek back so we jumped in and as soon as i started swimming i was like oh no you're the George Foreman of swimming. If if your opponent can just pace themselves, they'll be able to gobble up mm -hmm. the gap yeah. on, the, on the on the swim home. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's get right into the big, big news. It basically came out mm-hmm. the day of our last episode, so we kind of yeah, missed yeah. the boat on that. We were about an hour too early. But, of course, Daniel Ricardo's returning, and not only is he returning, he's returning uh, this weekend in days. He'll be driving again. Uh, I really appreciate how quickly it all happened. We didn't even hear about any buildup or anything. Oh. There was no word of it until, boom, he's in the seat, DeVries is gone, and it felt so good to hear DeVries got cut after we gave him so much shit all the time and we were just ragging on him. And then, boom, he's out. No, I, that's, that's where you have the heart of a champion and I don't. Like, I basically, once he was fired, now I decided I liked him and feel bad for him. Because I don't think you'll, we'll just never hear from him again as long as we live. He's too old, right? I mean, that was the thing is he's a rookie, but he's not 28. He's, he's 28. 28. Yeah, yeah, so he should You're right, be... his whole life off at the age of 28, he's oh, done. Yeah. He's hit his peak, yeah. he's finished. He's so, my yeah. God, how depressing. I hadn't even got sober yet by 28. I mean, my life was in a fucking tailspin at 28. Oh, my well, so God. So is his. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the year. <laughs> I guess that's the year to do it. But it seems so obvious, didn't it, afterwards? Like, immediately, as soon as it's announced, you're like, well, of course of they course. did. Like, what? why hadn't they done this before? It seemed like the most obvious natural thing in the world yeah yeah i guess um the timing of everything was also very helpful to ricardo i think just simply that he got to do the tire test yeah d- you him. know days after qualifying so these times were known and he got out there and according to horner and some others his fastest lap would have put him on the front of the grid which was very encouraging and with new tires like different tires that they've used before and he was only 0.5 off or something 0.7 off, but on hard. 0.7. Which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, yeah. the um, the call came into DeVries after 11 laps. So, Ricardo had done 11 wow. laps of his test, and Helmut Marco rang DeVries and told him he was done. <laughs> I mean, that's how brutal it is. Do you think he had already brought up his number on his phone and was just waiting to hit send? But it was already oh, yeah. Like As he pulled out of the garage, he went into contacts. And then just brought it up, so it was. A... I just can't believe DeVries didn't put it on Do Not Disturb for that entire day. <laughs> like he must have known that was coming. It's like yeah, I would have gone I... off the grid entirely and just arrived in Hungary, acting like I've not heard or talked to anybody. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if he knew it was coming. I wonder what the conversations were like. I mean, it seemed to us it was out of the blue, but but you got to know driving for Helmut Marco if you're not putting up those numbers. And he was threatened weeks ago, so he's got to have like known. But I I do wonder, like, how much of that test session really was a trial. It sounds like they knew that he had it from the simulator. I think they just wanted to correlate what they'd seen on the sim was actually going to happen in reality. So as soon as they saw there was that correlation, it just, it, it, it is a no-brainer. You're paying Ricardo anyway to sit there and do nothing. And if he's clearly a talent and better than DeVries, why are you paying someone twice? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Let's be honest. There's a couple teams paying them right now to sit there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> McLaren's still paying them. Uh, Red Bull's paying them. It'd be great if somehow he's getting some stipend from AlphaTauri, too. I mean, if he was triple dipping, <laughs> that would be <laughs> incredible. A victory, a victory in paid F1 <laughs> driver of all time. Not actually racing. <laughs> You know, they have this thing in movie contracts when they make you pay or play. And basically they're saying once you sign this thing, whether the movie goes or not, the fee you've negotiated to act in the movie, you're going to get. Now, that's really more to lock the actor down so they can't fuck around and take another job. But in rare occasion, it has happened where the movie gets canceled and the person gets full boat and then goes and does another movie. And that's virtually what he's managed to do. Uh Uh-huh in f1 have you managed to catch up with him dax are you hoping to catch up with him in the next week or two yeah i sent him a text that said this news just cured my erectile dysfunction <laughs> and um he wrote back we had a, a few exchanges about how excited he is to return but in truth i got more out of where he's at by watching a interview he did with some english chat formula one's network uh he sat down with somebody and Went through the whole thing. It is interesting, the story, how entirely full circle it is. The notion that he was an alternate driver for Red Bull through uh, Toro Rosso, right? And then got lent out mid-season to this team, Hispania, and did half a season, then joined Toro Rosso afterwards. So it's all, like, suspiciously similar. And Horner had that interview where he said that 
you know, they're set for next year, but he knows Danny's eyes are on 2025 to get back in the Red Bull again. But again, they won't wait. They will not wait. Like, doesn't matter what they say, if Ricardo ends up, let's say he goes out there, kicks Yuki's ass, which I know we'd all be sad about, but let's say he does, Perez continues his spiral, cannot make it into Q3. Why would they wait? Again, why would you yeah. do it? They're, they are ruthless about performance. Why are they going to let a quicker guy languish in a slower car? They won't do it. It doesn't matter what they say. And they just proved that they won't do it. Yeah, they just proved it. They yanked mm. Vries. I mean, that's pretty quick for this guy that was so built up. They yeah. yanked him. Here's my question to you guys, though. If you're Danny and you're, let's assume for one second that AlphaTauri under its new name next year and using a lot of the RB19 parts and tech becomes the third fastest team on the grid. Let's just say that. Would you rather be second banana at Red Bull or first banana on the third place team? I think I'd prefer to stay at the third place team. Jethro, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, this was a question I actually wrote down too. Is it, would you want to be clearly the best driver on a subpar team or the second driver on the best team? And I think you're right. I think there's a cutoff, right? Like anything below the fifth team or lower you know i'd rather finish second every year also for your own legacy he'll win some races uh, at red yeah. bull proper maybe pick up another three before he retires that's a respectable number of races to have won uh jethro what do you think if he truly is the ricardo who left red bull there's nothing to say he can't match max he did like in their first season together he matched him Pretty much. They were very, very, very close. And it only started to go away from him, really, when he felt Red Bull were favoring Max. And therefore, I think it was in his head. And therefore, he was in this, like, fuck this, I'm getting out and I'm going to be the number one big dog somewhere. So, in raw ability, I know Max has changed the game lately. But if Ricardo believes he's still that same guy, he will believe he can go there and still force the position and become on equal footing with Max. And I think he's proven how hungry he is to, to be back in F1. And I think that would be a challenge he would take on. And, and why wouldn't you? You can't take a gamble on Alpha Tauri if Red Bull are knocking on the door. You know you're going to have the best car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. You know, of course, you're right. They were pretty comparable when they were teammates. And then, you know, Danny totally shined at Renault. So the, the only crazy spell was this mclaren disaster uh -huh. and you're right he has proven to be mentally vulnerable max being you know their chosen driver was really destructive i think to him but when he's loved and he's feeling it i think he he way overperformed at renault he's brilliant i thought he was genuinely one of the top three guys when he was at red bull i was like this guy give him the right car he's going to be a champion and max came in and it became an issue but it would just be amazing to see that alternate universe where he stayed yeah. sucked it up and went okay max is the chosen son and helmut marco loves him and everything but i can stick at it and i can do this because yeah who knows what would have happened i mean max does like i say looks like he's raised the bar all round, but circumstances has allowed him to do that if there was another guy in the car who was nearly as quick and they didn't tailor the car just to max because they were hedging their bets with ricardo as well everything you know history is a totally different thing Elbon came back. Elbon left Red Bull and kind of had some tough times and now is like just driving the pants off that car. And maybe that's what we're going to see. He just came out of a week where he realized more than ever the world is obsessed with him. Like it was the biggest news in F1 history for years, like everywhere. So exciting. Yeah. I mean, he is the last uh, Max teammate that beat him, really. Yeah. With any consistency. When Max didn't beat himself, the couple times Checo has won. It's a big few weeks for our boy Yuki as well. This is this is career defining to see how he performs. I am excited to see yeah. a little pressure on Yuki. Yeah, this is curious because I don't want to say that I totally believed DeVries, but I guess I kind of believed that DeVries would be faster than Yuki. And then Yuki was just so dominant over DeVries. It actually elevated how I think of Yuki, that maybe he's much better than I thought and the car itself's not that great. You know, I don't know. Daniel's got to be faster than Yuki. <laughs> it's just that simple, right? If, yeah. he's, if he's not faster than Yuki consistently, then this is this is where he's going to finish career. But will that spiral Yuki? Will Yuki get so upset if Danny comes in and he's getting like five places or above every single race? I mean, look, it's not like Yuki's winning any races. You know, he's he's getting an average of 10. So there's room there, but he just so dramatically overperformed 
compared well, to Well, he threes. was getting that until our podcast ruined his career. But yeah, he was consistently <laughs> yeah. 10. He's our mascot, but he hates us because we destroyed his 10th <laughs> yeah. place run. Yeah. Well, okay. So that brings me to speculating on how Daniel will do first yeah. race back. Okay. So Alpha brought all their big arrow upgrades to Silverstone. And they went backwards. They, mm-hmm. they did not improve. They got worse. Now, the head engineer claims that those were setup failures and not upgrade failures. Jethro, do you buy that? What do you think the car's capability is currently? The car has not looked good. Um, let's be honest. The car's been bad, and Yuki's done brilliantly to get the run of results he's had. I think it's a big old challenge because potentially Ricardo's walking into the worst car on the grid. Like, that's the truth. You know, that's, if you look at where they qualify, Haas is probably the worst on race pace, but in terms of qualifying, he's potentially walking into the worst car on the grid. So I suspect they might be a bit better than they were in Silverstone, but it's going to be all down to the driver. Luckily, Hungary is the sort of place where a driver can make a difference. So if if Danny gets Uh in there fired up, it could help, but he needs to take care of Sonoda, I think, immediately. Yeah, he might even want to poison some of that that food that he's yeah. obsessed with. There's a little <laughs> sprinkle of Visine on something. Well, yeah, let's talk about um, the track, Budapest. I rewatched last year's race. So good. Forgot how incredible it is. You know, Max started in 10th. The Ferrari boys were up front with George Russell. I forgot that that incredible left-hand decreasing radius turn at the top of the hill where some guys go on the outside and pass, just a handful. That's yeah. like a crazy, dicey turn that has tons of action. It's a great track. I was reminded that that was pretty much the pinnacle of Ferrari's fuck-up last year where people really turned on him publicly and they are like, this team's a joke because they put Leclerc on hards and he just f- dropped like a rock through the field. They had started one and three and finished like four and five or something. But wasn't it strange watching it back? Even though it's only a year ago, it almost feels like a different era of F1 because although Max was winning, it wasn't such dominance you know i know he came through the field and everything but you had ferrari who should have been quickest you had mercedes were up there they'd suddenly found something with their car and it was like this feels like five years ago not a year ago now compared to where we're at i totally agree it made me like try to remember what, what, how bad was mercedes last year it made me question i guess i filed them from this year as being a fourth place team and i i can't even remember and they were brilliant in that race last year yeah, well, they started off the year so badly, didn't they? And then everyone said they got their concept wrong, but they stuck with it. And then I think everyone else effectively stopped developing almost. Mercedes were throwing everything to make this concept work. They started getting good results. And that's sort of what tricked them into sticking with this concept into this year, which is what screwed them for this season, because they didn't early enough go, this isn't going to work, which is why I think McLaren potentially is one. We're going to see if that upgrade from Silverstone is as good as it looked. But McLaren earlier on went, no, this doesn't work. We need a new concept. And Merck had just been too stubborn. Yeah, so that's my question for you. I don't know that track well enough. Are the strengths that McLaren displayed in the last two races, primarily, as I understand it, really high-speed cornering, they're great in the high-speed corners. Is that advantage going to work in Budapest? No, it's not. But do we believe it's just high-speed corners? Was that just Lewis? You know, as you said, Lewis (laughs) just wanted to sell that story to the world. I think it's a different sort of track. So if the McLaren's competitive here, and I think it will be, then they've definitely turned a massive corner. It's much more low speed. It's much more scrappy. But again, Lando did brilliantly last year. He did brilliantly at Red Bull Ring, which is closer in character to Hungary. So yeah, it's going to be faster. It's that weird thing that we know Max is going to be dominant. But behind it, it could be Alpine, it could be Aston Martin, it could be Mercedes, it could be Ferrari. Like, you just don't know anymore. Yeah, it seems totally up in the air. And, of course, Red Bull's bringing upgrades to this race, which they Mm -hmm. don't need and none of us want. Um, But apparently (laughs) they're bringing upgrades that are going to be worth two-tenths of a second. Yeah, like new side pods or something like that? I guess in an effort to get Chaco into second, because certainly yes. they don't need to do any upgrades to keep Max. Max up should front, opt out. Maybe of them. Max should just decline that ah, and say, "I think I'm I'm good." Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I agree. It's to probably make sure they can get Chaco from fifteenth up to podium, because that's what's going to happen every single race, because he can't qualify worse shit. Right, he's gonna. It's just a Q three upgrade for Chaco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's crazy about that? I heard this stat that. 
Botas, during his stint at McLaren, or sorry, uh, Mercedes, he got 100% of the times into Q3. 100%. He never didn't make it to Q3? Never missed Q3. Wow. Maybe that's barring like there was a crash or a spinoff or like something that was totally different, but that's the stat, 100% of Q3s. Checo is not living up to that. Did anyone see Max's proposed changes to make F1 better? He has some exciting ones. One is he wants to get rid of the hybrid. He's like, get rid of the hybrid. That's It sucks. He said, I like the smaller tires. It was a lot more fun. And we got to get the car lighter, which is, that's a no-brainer. But the notion that he wants to go to smaller tires and get rid of the hybrid is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it's the complication and the weight of the hybrid system. It adds a load of money, a load of potential unreliability. And it's just so heavy. And and the cars, you know, you see a picture of a new car against an old car. It's completely... I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the early cars. I think it was like 625 kilos or something with the driver was the weight limit. Wow. And they were building the cars lighter than the limit and then using ballast so they could put the weight where they wanted to. So these cars, empty, were like in the 400 kilo, like high 400 kilos. It's unbelievable. That's what Max said. He said, I'm not saying we need to go back to the 500 kilo era, but we need to get closer to that. And the notion that that car, yeah, was uh, fucking 1,200 pounds is insane. Yeah, and the other thing, I don't know if you've seen Sebastian Vettel, you know, he's really into his environmental stuff, etc. at the moment, and he has bought a couple of old F1 cars that he loved when he was growing up from the late 80s. But he runs them on a sustainable fuel. I think it's called Race With No Trace or something. And it's already doesn't emit any more carbon into the atmosphere, fully sustainable. Vettel's saying, listen, we need to speed this up because there could come a point where Formula One gets banned from certain countries because they're just, you know, if you have targets and you want to be seen to be progressive... You need to be acting fast on this stuff. So Max's stuff seems to be against that environmental push. But if you can do it with sustainable fuels, lighter, etc., maybe it could work. Um, speaking of Max and the McLaren, I just want to point out, I find it so interesting the people Max likes, right? So he clearly has a uh-huh. major boner for Alonzo, but then this last couple of weeks has brought out his love for Lando, which has yeah. been fun to watch. And he said... If Lando was in a race-winning car, he would win races. It's as simple as that. So he's a fan. And now, it's it's interesting because I, I find Lando's personality rough, but it's probably clouded by the Daniel stuff. He seems to like these guys like himself who have really shitty personalities and really high skill level. I think that's like, if he had a profile on Tinder for other race car drivers, it'd be like alienating personality and uh, top-notch skills. It's it's curious to me, though, because we didn't hear about this love for Lando until he started winning. So I feel like it could be a little, like, one, he likes that he's winning, but also Lando's getting so much attention and so much praise, and he got so much for his performance at Silverstone that Max recognized he can't just shit on him. He's got to kind of jump on board, and he's like, oh, yeah, I also love this guy, too, because he's winning. But we didn't hear about this love for Lando when he was, you know, at the bottom. Well, true, but there could also be a more Machiavellian strategy at foot, which would be he likes to pump up his competition so it looks like he's even better. Like, Lando's a brilliant driver. I mean, he's hard to beat for anyone, and so is Alonso. (laughs) Or in the off chance that Lando wins a race, Max has already given him so much credit for being this amazing driver that, of course he won a race. I said he was, you know, capable. I told you he was gonna, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they seem to have one thing in common, though. They've been talking about in at least five interviews. Both of them will mention, like, someone's like, well, what do you guys do together? It's always crepes. They eat crepes together <laughs> all the time. So maybe it's this love of crepes that's really flourished this relationship, and they have this mutual ground other than being great race car drivers. It makes you wonder what he and Alonzo are nibbling on when they yeah. go off for their little what would you What would you think they would be nibbling on together, Max and Alonzo? Well, I think if crepes is the first option, maybe funnel cake. Those two uh, always sniff out a place with funnel cake yeah. with some good powder sugar. I could sugar. see Alonzo having a sweet tooth for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't think, I like Max, I don't think he's training. I think, well, no, that's not true. He's an avid bicyclist. But I think he just relies on the sheer amount of testosterone he has and the aggression he displays in the car <laughs> to handle everything <laughs> for mm-hmm. him. 
<laughs> yeah, he's yeah. not bringing bands on vacation or fucking no. box jumps. No. No. Okay, one question I wanted to pose to everybody is, yet again, we have an example of the drivers watching the large jumbotrons as they drive. In Silverstone, it was Max noting a Ferrari pit stop that yeah. he had seen on the jumbotron. My question is, is it time to just give them a monitor in the car to watch the race? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Like so. you, when you're a big crowd. <laughs> yes, the should race. they all just... Watching the broadcast. Like, you're going to say, oh, that's too dangerous for them to watch the race while they're racing. But I got to imagine it's more dangerous for them to try to watch the yeah. Jumbotron. Well, and they're going by. They have to be turning at least a little bit as they go by. Like, following that screen by to catch the exciting passes, the pits, all of that. I mean, it's not just perfect timing they're catching these moments. They really are locked onto that Jumbotron. So you might be right. It might be safer just to throw it in the dash. I, I think even putting it off somehow buried on the far hood of it so you're like you're still maintaining your driving line as yeah. you watch you can be looking forward into turns you know some of those cars have that uh, speedometer on the windshield it's like a oh, little projection yeah they just need to project oh, yeah. a little the race up there somehow maybe it could be more like a, a webcam where people can actually make requests as they're driving along so they're actually interacting with the, mm. with the new fast f1 you audience could be like you could pay to get like a peace sign or something like that thumbs up yeah yeah exactly you're saying like a live go live on instagram during mm -hmm. the race exactly yeah. 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 <laughs> you could pay a thousand bucks to get a get a peace sign or something as they drive by on lap seven stay tuned for more f1 with drs This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Well, I did not secure any like juicy, like inside scoop from Ricardo. And I apologize for that. I should, I should have been able to deliver that, but it did make me want to play something that I've been meaning to play for a while. And I think in honor of Kristen's birthday, I, mm. I would like to play it now. And this is a voice message that Daniel left Kristen, I don't know, a couple months ago. Uh, and I've gotten both of their permissions to play it, but I think you guys are going to like it. It's a real peek at who he really is. Hi, Kristen. Hope you're doing well and wonderful. I um, 
I have a little lisp because I have a retainer in right now. So I was going to take it out, but I thought it would make this just sound way cuter. Um, so. <laughs> okay, that's plenty. How adorable is that message? I was going to take best. it out, but I thought I'd sound cuter with it in. Uh, I'm. Uh-oh, the Starlink. The Starlink is presenting a few issues. Uh-oh. <laughs> you got us? Are we back? This is kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, you're you're there. Um, did did anyone hear Eric's update about his Tesla when he drove it out to Palm Springs? Oh. Yeah, it fell apart. What? Yeah, he said it was, it was over 100 degrees, and as he hit 100 miles an hour, things started disintegrating. So the, the wheel flare on the front fender ripped off, then hit the mirror, took the mirror completely off. <laughs> he said the car was just yeah. literally ripping apart, <laughs> and the steering wheel started falling apart. To be fair, oh it was way too hot. I mean, things had to have been melting, and he was going over 100. I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, <laughs> I don't feel do that's a good enough excuse. <laughs> no, I don't think. Uh, I don't think in a court of law, the notion that the car can go that fast but will disintegrate at that speed seems like an engineering oversight. <laughs> God, how did the Brits feel about the Teslas, Jethro? Um. I think Teslas are, um, they're like a religious cult, aren't they? Which is, you know, you either are one of those weird Elon worshippers who think Tesla is going to solve all of the world's problems, or you think they're pretty ugly, not very well built chip boxes. But I have to say, <laughs> his, his genius was the um, network, wasn't it? The charging network. Because electric cars, no matter what anyone tells you, are truly, truly depressing devices to live with because of the charging situation. And the fact that he's gone some way towards solving that was what did it. But they sell in boatloads over here now. They're often the best-selling car in the UK. Well, yeah, that's why I asked, because there's uh, an article going around that worldwide they're tracking to perhaps be the number one sold car in the world. Wow. Certainly in a lot of European countries where the tax breaks are so huge, so places like Norway and stuff, that it's cheaper to buy a Tesla than like a really basic hatchback type car because of tax breaks and stuff. So they've they've definitely ridden that wave. But fair play to him. He's created, I mean, electric cars are extremely dull by their nature and he's yet managed to create an aspirational car out of something that is deeply unaspirational by its very nature. Yeah, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit for being about 10 years ahead of every other manufacturer oh, yeah. and forcing the hand of all the other manufacturers. That That I applaud, but I read the best meme I've been sending out to everybody. In fact, it's shocking I didn't send it to you, Jethro. No, you did. You did, I'm sure. Comparing Tesla 0 to 60 times to real performance cars is like comparing a microwave to a barbecue grill. (laughs) 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 That is the most astute way to frame the whole thing. Yep. It is. Yeah, like, great. You can cook a steak in 90 seconds in the microwave. Congrats. Cool. Yeah. I still don't want Enjoy. it. Enjoy. Can't wait to get my second one. Yeah, Matt's a Tesla driver. It definitely mirrors the religiosity of Apple. Apple's their religion. Tesla is people's religion. I can't believe you've got a Tesla and a Harley. How does that even work? That just seems like two brands that would have zero. You know what? Over. I like tech stuff. And when I'm driving around, I'm driving like almost sometimes two hours a day. And it is just... Since I started driving a Tesla, I drive way slower. Mm. I put it on cruise control all the time. I'm just listening to audiobooks. My experience in the car is much more serene and relaxing. And I like that because LA traffic's horrible and it makes that better. So you're saying that basically Tesla is the propanol of the automotive <laughs> yes, world. It'll keep exactly. you very calm and without like any at panic. no point getting a Tesla was I like okay, I can pick all of these cars. This is the one I'm going to pick. No, I bought it for like those reasons. And that like, you can go fast if you need to get away from someone that picks up so quick, but then I'm not because I'm trying to save the battery. I'm trying to go as far as I can on that same thing of battery and it becomes a whole new challenge. You're like an F1 driver harvesting, choosing when to harvest (laughs) and deploy. Exactly. I feel like more like an F1 driver. You just need tires that fall apart after an hour now, and then you could get the tire strategy going as well. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, do you have any pulp from the paddock before we get into our P10 predictions, which should be wild and completely random for this race? Before pulp, don't we have that new qualifying format 
this race. We have the <gasps> Q1 is on hards, Q2 on mediums, Q3 on softs. Yeah. So they're bringing it, they're trying oh. it out for this race. They did that for a sprint race, but they haven't done it for a full race. And then they're going to see how it goes and possibly implement it next year. But this is the first yeah. full quali session where they're going to force you to be on hards, then mediums, then softs. They're going to have 11 sets of tires versus 13. So they're trying to kind of lower the footprint again. Oh, yeah, that's... um. Boy, that, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Obviously, that that is going to benefit uh, McLaren because what was yeah. talked about yeah. regularly is how quickly they get their tires up to temperature and the fact that they went out on hards and Silverstone and, did and it. succeeded. Yeah, I feel like Lando might be a shoo-in for... Zach Brown is leading the push for this new uh, strategy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It could mix things up a bit, though, couldn't it? Because it's weird how big a swing you can see in performance from one tire to another. Like, one car will absolutely fly on mediums, then they'll stick on a set of softs and go backwards. You know, it's a weird um, how that science works. So it could it could mix things up. It is always confusing. Like, when you're watching P1, P2, P3, you're, like, you're tracking the times, and then all of a sudden you see one of the Bozo drivers get up in the top three, and you're like, what the, how the fuck did that happen? And then you realize, oh... On the side, I see they're on softs. Everyone else is on mediums. Like, you see that pretty often as well, like the, how big the gap can be between the tire performance. Well, Red Bull don't normally fire up their tires quick, so Perez is almost certain not to make it out of Q1, it seems, with this new system. Maybe Max devised it just yeah. to uh, rub salt in the wound. What's interesting, too, for like Q1 and 2, they won't be able to do like those last minute laps because they got to warm those hards and mediums up a little bit more. So they won't be able to just rip out on softs and get that one warm up in yeah. and get the most performance out of them, I wouldn't think. But yeah, the time in the garage will probably be cut down, right? That normal gap you see mm -hmm. between minutes seven and 10 or 12. Maybe people will be out still. Yeah. And I would guess they could just have a long run on the, at least in Q1 on those hards. Everyone saw the quote where Max said, you know, we've got to deal with this Q3 situation, but also I will be able to win the Constructors' Championship by myself. Did yeah. You yeah. See that? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like 96% of the points or something like that. Uh, we talked about it last week. He said something along the lines of, we need Checo to pick it up a little bit in some regard, but I can also take care of the rest myself. <laughs> yeah, don't worry too much. <laughs> Which is incredible. And also, this race, if Red Bull wins, will break the record. 12 in a row. Oh, that was, the, the record is 11 wins in a row? Yep, by McLaren in 88, I think. But they've also won 20 out of 21. Wow. Crazy. So it's just dominating. They're just dominating. Wouldn't it be, of all the times for Lando to get a first place, this would be it, to defend this record, right? To save McLaren's record, yeah. Big time. Yeah, he'd be on Zach Brown's shoulders after that race. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Hit us with some pulp, Matt. All right. So I've been listening to that book, um, The Mechanic, and I learned something interesting because it was a guy that he was the mechanic for McLaren in his days when Lewis won his first title. And he was saying it was very interesting because Lewis at the time was dating one of the Pussycat Dolls. Ooh. And he believes that he saw a direct correlation between when he saw them in a really good state together and a bad state together, he'd be kind of repeating the same results on the track. They were good. He was killing it on track. If they were bad, he was not. Mm. Which then leads me to start to think, how's Checo's relationship right now? What's going on there? Is he maybe seeing a girl on the side, keeping it secret, and he's really stressed out, and he's got a lot going on in his head, and he's having a hard mm. time with this? Like, that can fuck with your brain a bit. So it's possible. Something's side going on. Side pieces are stressful, yeah. They, they'll, they'll distract you, side piece. <laughs> Just a little... <laughs> oh my god then we talk about like the max's dominance right now and what also back then the year he won his first championship with the mclaren lewis was leading at silverstone by over a minute the rest of the field you know we always talk about that it's not like max is the only person to have this dominance he definitely had the dominance back then it's happened before it's not a new thing even from when i turned in i feel like the mercedes delta of dominance was bigger yeah, yeah, I think definitely in those really dominant years when the hybrid drivetrains first came out and Mercedes had such a huge advantage. Yeah, they were bigger. And there's been huge dominance before. Ferrari with Schumacher had seasons where they were massively dominant. Before that, McLaren, absolutely. And the gaps were absolutely huge. You know, McLaren might qualify 
two and a half, three seconds quicker than the next car. You know, it was a completely different world. You didn't have this incredibly condensed pack. I was reading, I was going to do, I don't know if you guys want me to, but I listened to the podcast I wasn't on and you were talking about Alpine. And it's so confusing, the history of all these F1 teams. So I thought I might do a little potted history of each team. Um, And I started doing the Renault one or the Alpine one. But it's a huge operation. Um, but anyway, I was, Senna got his first go with um, the original Tolman team, which was the start of the Alpine team as we know it now. And in 1984, in one of the races, he failed to qualify. I think it was 84 or 85. He was 13 seconds a lap slower than the fastest car in qualifying. That's how Holy big they were, there was. Because anyone could join F1 back then as well. So if if two guys with a transit van and a bit of money from their mate or their dad or whatever could come and get an entry. It was a lot easier. It wasn't as closed shop like it is now. So those gaps were were vast. 13 seconds. That's like virtually uh, racing against F1 in an Indy car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or like a, I don't know, GP3 car almost. Yeah, it's miles and miles <laughs> right. off. But it, it's just so different now with telemetry, with the rules being much more um, prescribed than they were before. And with budgets, all of the teams have, are hitting that budget cap pretty much whereas before you'd have the likes of mclaren and ferrari spending a load of money but then you'd have like i say a minnow team spending probably one twentieth of what they were spending so alpine started as what 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 is the route to today's modern alpine alpine started as tolman f1 in 1981 then benetton came in in 85 Uh. i think as a sponsor and then they changed the team. They actually bought the team in 86. It ran through to 2001 as Benetton. Um, Schumacher won a couple of titles with them. Then it became Renault. Alonso won a couple of titles with them. Then it went fallow for a bit and became Lotus. Um, then Renault again, and then back to Alpine. So it's had a, it's had a long history. But wow. that's why you'll hear certain teams, we'll, maybe we'll go into it another day, but there'll be Team Silverstone, which is effectively Aston Martin, because that's had lots of different identities there's team endstone which is now alpine because that's had lots of different identities so a lot of them have just had this long route to where they are right now who who recently someone high up in the fia said they really don't want an 11th team recently i think well, i read there's actually that coming out so at the end of this month there's about i think there's about six bids for new teams and they are thinking they're going to approve two teams However, they might or they might not, but two are the most likely to get it. But I heard about this other thing called the Concord Agreement. Yeah. So, Jethro, you can fix me if I say this wrong, but what this is is it's separate than the FIA. It's part of the team's agreement on who gets allotted the money at the end of the season, and it's up to the teams to vote. So if the FIA approves two more teams to come in, like Andretti and Cadillac, and approves them, the other teams can vote that they do not get to come into the Concord Agreement, and that's up to the teams, so they could still race and do whatever they want and be on the grid. However, they will win no money in the Constructors' Championship. So basically, they will be coming in, and they have no rights to any money, so they will just basically be a team throwing millions and millions of dollars at F1 and not making any money in return from Formula 1. So that's up to the teams to vote, whether they and most teams don't want another team or two boy that's so weird because i imagine the fia is collecting all the money then dispersing yeah so they're giving it to this well there's a big feud now that that's what they're saying there's going to be a huge rip between the fia and all the f1 teams coming up depending on what happens at the end of this month because the fia is effectively the regulatory body but f1 is the business that makes the money which is why you were asking about why a team's worth a billion dollars it's because they have that slot in the concord agreement so there's always been this head-to-head fight because the fia always want more power the teams always want more power and eventually the teams generally end up winning because they're the people with all the money and all the resource and when the new team comes in they have to give out of that budget they have to spend to come into f1 they have to give 200 million which just is dispersed among the other teams that's just like a here. But the teams are now moaning because they're saying, well, that's not enough. Yeah. Yep. Because the teams are now worth a billion dollars, effectively. 200 million to join the grid is not enough because you pay 200 million, you invest, I don't know, 150 million, whatever. You've got a billion dollar operation. They're like, why would we give 
a all of our revenue away but also give andretti effectively a billion dollar asset for not spending a billion right. dollars which from a business it sucks from a sporting standpoint because you want more teams and more competitiveness but from their business perspective they increase their risk of losing they give away revenue and they potentially make the sport you know they dilute the product so why would they do it that's the problem well yeah and you're like you said you're buying something for 200 million that you can turn around and flip for a billion pretty instantly yeah but but who who who's in charge of negotiating the television contracts you know like i would love to know more about what formula one generates in television revenue because you know American football here is the multi-billion dollar deals per year mm. for television rights. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Liberty. It's Liberty who now own F1. So football has this kind of the same thing. A lot of the times the owners will vote on certain issues and it's separate from the league or the commissioner. But with Formula One, there's only one race. So yeah, if they're dividing whatever that contract is, that television contract or any of their financial contract, dividing it by 10 teams, you get a 10th, roughly. That might be different. But... Mm-hmm you can't have another race just because you have another team. So now we're taking that pool and dividing it by 11 or 12 or whatever we got. So everyone's getting a little smaller piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. Whereas football, if they had two more teams, they play two more games, they get the money for those two games. But this is still just one race. That's a great point. Yeah, there are only 22 television events to sell. Yeah. And you are basically diluting your stock. And the owners are like, well, we're already getting paid for our 23 races. Why do we want to split it up and add another team and take a little cut? Well, other than that has a very limited view of the total value of what Formula One could be. You could also take the position that two more teams is just going to make it that much more exciting and drive viewership up and generate more money all in. So, you know, I totally. don't know. And especially like an American team is it, you know, we've kind of proved that the American market is untapped. So bringing in another American team, getting that fan base, increasing viewers, generating more revenue. But it is interesting. Did you guys see that proposed uh, Atlantic City track? <laughs> like even yes. Atlantic City's trying to get in on the... <laughs> I mean, it looks awesome from the renderings, but... The one thing I'll say about Atlantic City, and no, no disrespect to anyone that lives there, my friend Ken Kennedy was on a car show there, and he said, uh, he called me, he goes, man, I just saw the most disturbing thing ever. I turned a corner, and there was three hobos barbecuing a seagull over a trash oh. can fire. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. Is it complete? Is it just trash? <laughs> Look, I don't want to disparage, you know, anyone that lives there, but it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. I think we all know it's rough. You know, if you're barbecuing pigeons and seagulls. Yeah. I don't know. And we already have Vegas. We we got the like. Got the glitz. We got the casino city, yeah. that whole thing. We should have one in the country, one deep in the country. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Like a Red Bull ring, a version of our Red yeah, Bull ring. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere like a in beautiful, that. pretty track. Yeah. The redneck ring. That would be perfect. Yeah, redneck ring. <laughs> the redneck ring, yeah. I have, have it in the Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> yeah. That'd be incredible. Uh, Some elevation on the track. Oh, my God. Yeah. Up and down and up and um, down. We've got a couple more here. Quick one. I think Kevin Magnuson just had his second baby yesterday, I think it was. So that's wild. Do that. Get back in the car. Congrats. And then lastly, Max, I think last night got disqualified um, yeah. from his sim race. It's everywhere. <laughs> He apparently, what happened is he someone cut him off, and it was like a pretty serious, like, high league. So, like, they don't fuck around with this. And he then drove off the track, like, I think cut through the pit lane, and then smashed the dude. And I guess in this world, it gets that serious that he got in a lot of shit for it. It was headline news this morning. I'm embarrassed to say I saw that clip. <laughs> and I was like, I, I really spent half the clip trying to figure out if he was also racing in a car series. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like a sports car series. It I'm looked like, wait, real. This is a it looked real, real for a minute. For a minute, it looked real. Then I was very confused that I somehow didn't know that Max was racing in a second series while also <laughs> racing in F1. Yeah. And then once I realized I was watching a video game, I was super disappointed in myself. I'm proud to say my son has been kicked out of the school sim racing league that they have what? at least two or three For times similar incidents? For just crashing into people. <laughs> no way. Uh, uh, but I don't know that it's because he's irate and crashes into people or because he's just not great at the game. And just takes them it's out more fun. Accident. I mean, I tell you, it is yeah. so easy just to tap yeah. someone. And, it, you know, when you're in the middle of the pack, it is challenging. And then yeah. someone, you're losing spots. It's just so easy to take. Charlie's taken out. me out a couple times. Yeah, so sometimes easier than passing you. 
Well, look what happens on a go-kart track, and that's real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, wild. yeah, you, no one's getting hurt. Yeah, you're T-boning guys every chance you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jethro, I got a quick question for you. So I saw there was a lot of videos happening this week about how the Brits are really pissed off that the American fan base has changed F1. What do you think about that? Do you hate us for it? Um, no. I... <laughs> You have to be careful with all sports. There's, uh, we just talked about Tesla, didn't we? There's people who are religious about sports generally. And there's this feeling that the drive to survive and the American ownership and the sort of showbiz element, the sprint races, some of the crazy stuff that happens in Miami is somehow taken away from the purity of what F1 was in the past and that you had to understand it. And I sort of get that, but I also believe that there's no good going banging on about how pure the racing is if there's no overtaking and it's a procession from start to finish. So they have to spice up the show with with certain things. DRS is probably the most controversial of those things, and hopefully one day they'll get rid of it. Um, but no, I, I think, like any sport, as it progresses, as it grows, there's always the people who were into it back in the day who feel like their sport is being taken away. But generally speaking, I don't think that's as big a thing as maybe it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. The whole thing reeks of having liked Nirvana's Bleach album and then yeah. furious when everyone like never mind. Like it, to me, it yeah. just reeks of like, well, I was here first. I'm the real punk rock. They've sold out. It's like if you love the thing, why the fuck don't you want as many people to enjoy it as possible? Well, yeah, yeah. We I think we might have talked about Live early on, but um, do you see all the news of the Live tour and the PGA? That was a kind of a similar thing that the Live started their own golf tour. And there were like half of the PGA golfers were like, no, we need to protect the legacy of the PGA. And it's got this rich history and on and on and on. And so there was like this divide where if you went over to live, you couldn't golf in the PGA. And that was like the legacy league, the legacy tour. But recently they just merged. Yeah. They just merged and live essentially owns the PGA <laughs> now. And all these guys that were like, so self-righteous and protecting the legacy missed out on a hundred, 200, 300 million dollars by not going over to the new one. And now they're mm-hmm. all in the same league, same pool. So yeah, it's just kind of inevitable. You can fight the change for a little bit, but it's going to happen. You want no one to watch your sport. You know, it's like, you got to globalize if you can. Yeah. For me, as long as the cars remain the clear pinnacle, better than anything else, more technologically driven, we have to keep, I know it's geeky, but we don't want to go down the spec route because Formula One should be about rewarding genius and excellence yeah. and engineering resource. It needs to keep that. If it keeps that, who cares about the rest of it? As long as it doesn't go down like a spec chassis route. And, you know, they've talked about so many things, all these purists forget in the past. It wasn't that long ago that Bernie Eccleston, who used to run F1, wanted yeah. to introduce sprinklers to racetracks. That was his big oh. idea for spicing oh. up the show. And it was seriously looked at, considered, etc. So... This idea that we need to protect purity is not the case. We need to protect great racing and make sure it's about the engineering and the driving. That's all I care about, basically. This year, we wouldn't have needed the sprinklers this year at all. (laughs) I love the idea of sprinklers, though. I felt like if all tracks had a system at the beginning of the year, there was like some closed, uh, maybe you could do it with AI now, where it just it sets it out for the whole year. So suddenly on lap 37, the track gets wet or something, but it's not decided... (laughs) During the race, it's decided pre-season at random, so no one can know who's going to get an advantage and who's not. It would have been amazing, but they, uh, yeah, they never went with it. Or maybe at a certain gap, like if the leader gets a certain gap, they flip on the sprinklers <laughs> just for the leader. I don't think it could penalize anyone, but I love the idea of just suddenly, you know, because there are races that need it, you know, that, that need yeah. a little bit of a spice. But yeah. we, we know how much a bit of moisture changes everything. I'm also not opposed to just parking a random car in the middle of the track on one of the laps, you know, like a conversion yeah. van or something. Sell that seat for a cabillion dollars and hang in the conversion <laughs> van on the straightway <laughs> in a DRS zone. <laughs> that, that whole purest thing, though, makes me think of this great doc I watched about the Tour de France. Yeah, I was like debating whether to say France or France. Anyways, Tour de France. Um, I guess you say Tour de France. I don't know. Is that what you do? Monogasque. Um, But there are all these (laughs) hardcore bikers that have been racing in that race for decades. And they're like, the notion that what's-his-tush came in and ruined and defiled the sport by doping 
is comical because it was a race known for the drug use. Uh, all those bikers were renegade uh-huh. dudes. They were punk rock as fuck. There was no organization. They were blasting coke and methamphetamine, you know, taking pain pills as they rode. It has, it's a, the whole history was steeped in drug use. <laughs> so this notion that Lance Armstrong defiled it was pretty comical. Yeah, he just uh, he made it almost industrial, didn't he? But yeah, it, also that race. When you look at it, I don't believe a human can actually do it without taking drugs. It, it's not yeah. possible. No, no, nor should they. There was also when I worked at nor should they. Yeah. <laughs> when I worked at Universal Studios, the lot is open to tours, right? So there's a tram that drives through the real functioning lot where you're shooting the TV show, and so for amusement of the the tram riders. They have a pair of folks that drive around in the Scooby-Doo mystery machine. And my thought was, you've got to do drugs. If you're driving the mystery machine around Universal for 12 hours a day, dressed up as Shaggy and the other guys in a Scooby-Doo <laughs> outfit, like that job can't be done without drugs. And that was my reigning theory. And twice I was in the bathroom where that mystery machine squealed to a stop out front and the driver ran in and exploded the way only an amphetamine or a, or a cocaine stimulant yeah. can really activate the bowels. So I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I was on the right path with that guess. Okay, P10. Now, I have a strange hunch some of us are going to have the same P10. So because of that, I feel like maybe Wobby Wob should pick a number. He should write a number down right now. Yeah. And then we should all say numbers. And then whoever's closest gets to go first. What do we think of this approach? One through 10? Yeah, one through 10. Okay. Uh, Who wants to go first? I'll go with number eight. I'll be four. Three. Six. It is number six. Oh, good job, Jethro. So it'll go (laughs) Jethro, Charlie, Matt, Dax. Okay. Jethro. Okay. um, I want to take Danny. Because I think everyone should, but also because Dax, you and Danny are personal friends, I'm not going to take Danny because I feel like um, <laughs> you can have him unless someone else takes him in the meantime. Well, it's not going to make it to me. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Gasly. Yeah, solid. Okay. And you think he'll finish over Alcon this race? Um, God, I'm so bad at this P10, and it seems more and more random as we go along, doesn't it? Who knows? It could be... F- you know, it could be Haas, it could be anyone. Um, yeah, but I feel like Gasly has gone off the boil a bit and he needs a, ni- a nice little turnaround. So yeah, he's going to be Ocon and be P10. I just think that's the hardest team to know who the best driver is. I, I, I would not know. It how is. To, I wouldn't ever, you know, every other team, there's a favorite, except for Alpine, in my opinion. Yeah, they're calamitous, aren't they, as well? You never quite feel like both of them have one weekend where you can tell who's quicker and who's not. Yeah. There'll be some team screw up or something will go wrong um but they've got a decent car so they should be in and around that p10 all the time charlie i'm gonna go with carlos Sainz. oh wow wow that's a good one you know i gotta i gotta do something (laughs) you gotta shake it up to really to get on the board i gotta i gotta do something to get on the board um i think we're gonna have a plan f situation and that's going to cost him. I do want to point out this is a 3x carryover. So this singular bet is worth 1200 bucks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Money of which I've never seen. Whatever. We'll handle that later. All right. I'm going to deduct it from okay. when we finally start making money. I'm just going to deduct it. <laughs> Perfect. Matt? Oh, man. I feel like two people have been very kind, and it's really hard to be kind in this scenario. <laughs> no, no. You, um, do, you go with your heart. You go with your heart. You know what, though? My heart really is. I think Danny's going to get ninth. Oh, wow. And I'm going to go with Piastri because I think he's, you know, it's his old seed. He's going to do whatever he can at the end to get past Piastri just to make an extra statement. So I think Piastri for 10th. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's a foregone conclusion. I will definitely go with Daniel Ricardo. I feel like for him, the goal has to be I get, I get in the points. I don't think he has any illusions about anything mm-hmm. else. That has to be the apex of what his goals could be is, is a points finish. Yeah. And that was a big thing mentioned was that DeVries didn't get any points. So that's the first box he's got to check is get a point yeah. and then we'll move from yeah. there. And we don't need Nick celebrating at home. 
that he didn't get in the points. Like, we just don't need that. And plus, if Dax wins again, which seems to happen with annoying regularity, we can all take a little bit of his victory as our own because we've let him have Danny. This is a great tactic. <laughs> That's right. We all get a quarter because three of us passed. And, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, great. So it's mine's like a non-pick then. Yeah, so next week will be worth four times. Yeah, we'll just next roll week, it four up. times. This, this is like the uh, owner's consortium, whatever. Somehow it's going to kill us. But we will all celebrate your P10 with absolute With vigor and, and... Yeah, we won't lose with Dax's vote. Well, look, this is by far the most excited I've been about a race weekend in 2023. I mean, hands down, it's a great fucking track, and Daniel's back, and, you know, maybe he'll take Lando out. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh-huh. You know, I have this, I'm, I'm torn because, you know, I get just so much anxiety when I'm leaving vacation, <laughs> when my vacation's in. This is his last day. He thinks it, he it can kicks in, relax. It kicks in so early, this anxiety to leave, but I'm leaving on race day. <gasps> so I don't know which way. I mean, I'm torn. I really want the weekend here now. Yeah. But I also. We leave at 2 p.m. We have so much time to wake up and watch it. We're just going to skip fishing that morning and watch it early. I'm so excited. I feel like it's been that Thursday before race feeling now for 10 days. But we have a wizard party, apparently, the night before the race. Oh, what's a wizard? There's the cottage that we're at right now. It's his 40th, and his request was he has a wizard party. So there's going to be 30 of us dressed as wizards in wizard costumes, and you play a game called Wizard Sticks where you drink a can of beer— And then you get a new beer and you duct tape the can of beer to your existing beer Ah. and you grow your wizard stick and whoever at the end of the night has the longest wizard stick is the winner. And apparently there's battles with your wizard stick to chop each other's wizard stick. So we have no idea what could be taking place. I feel like um, dressing up as wizards in near a lake somewhere in the it, it in, somewhere in the U.S. has bad connotations to me. No, it doesn't seem something you should be doing. I think you're you just pointed out something quite obvious, Jezra, that I didn't think of. It's going to look like a clan rally, <laughs> and we can't in this day and age be parading around <laughs> yes. with fucking triangular hats on our heads <laughs> in the Great North. Also, I love I yeah, love the, the audacity to to throw a themed party in the very north of Canada. Where, like, what are you guys going to be putting bed sheets around yourselves? You can't get a wizard costume up no, there, can you? They were ordered. People knew months in advance, and we already have ten like proper wizard costumes: oh. full Gandalf beards, full gray hair, full cloaks and robes, and everything. What role will the women have at this party? Uh, I think the theme of the party was wizards and fair maidens. Oh. But I think most of the girls are going on the lines of wizards. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Great, great, great. So everyone will look like they're in the clan. That's that's ideal. Yeah. yeah. I think you should watch the race in your outfits and send selfies and put them on uh, yeah. TikTok. Yeah, I think that's, I, w- I would uh, be great. applaud that as well. Well, boys, it's going to be an epic weekend. Uh, We're going to have so much to talk about come Tuesday. So take good notes. Sorry you're traveling on that day. That would give me a lot of anxiety. Although I was traveling on race day to get here, and I fucking loved it because my flight was delayed, and I was like, yeah, bring it. I need 90 minutes, and it's exactly what I got. The F1 gods grounded my flight. So maybe something spectacular (laughs) will happen like that. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, until then... I encourage everybody to push, 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 push. Bugs, 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 bugs.